This podcast is part of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed may not reflect those of other podcasts or affiliates of this show or Gunna Geek. Check out other geeky podcasts at GunnaGeek.com. And get ready because geekiness commences in three, two, one. You're really good at this. At hosting. At host. At ho- you're really good at ho- hosting podcasts. Host. You're. What? It's, I don't know. Who's hosting what? Uh, what are... You're hosting a podcast. You're just... It's called. You're just mumbling incoherently. are hosting a podcast it's called unqualified gamers and it's a podcast about video episode games. 83 Epis- episode 83 that's that's 83 closer to 100 than when we started that is that is you're you're right i know yeah so that's crazy i mean that's closer to 100 than we ever thought we'd be when we started at zero podcast listeners thanks for joining us john and i have had an awful day. Just everything has been bad about it. So, uh, apologize, apologies if we're a, a bit, a bit less high energy th- than usual. Um, uh, we will try to be fun and and talkative and upbeat like we always are. Uh, because I have eight, I've been waiting eight months for this review of Bravely Default. Because that's what I'm going to talk about. I think that's. A, that, I think actually eight months is your playtime. <laughs> yes, eight months of playtime. That is impressive. Right. I think you had eight months of playtime in this game now. Yeah. So uh, so there's that. So, uh, no, I, I am excited about that. I am excited about that. And I like broadcasting. You know, uh, when I was in college, I remember, like, I would have the worst day ever, and I did a radio show. The second I went in that radio studio and turned on the mic, boom, I was happy, and my day was better, and all that good stuff. Now, it's different because with this podcast, I have to look at your horrifying uh, visage through the internet, which is barely it is not, stomachable. V- visage is not visage is not even close. That is definitely the right word. I guess it's kind of close. It's definitely exactly it's, it's close. Visage. It is absolutely the right it's way to use visage. It. it is visage. It is. It is. It's not. It's visage. definitely visage. It's not, it's not how you pronounce. It's that definitely word. visage. It's not visage. I. Promise. So I am sick of looking at your okay. visage through the internet, but I will power through because at least I'm going to do most of the talking in this episode, which means it'll be really good. And my apologies also, YouTube, for my webcam. Uh, my Apparently, my Apple is not getting along with my Microsoft LifeCam Studio webcam. Imagine that. So it, it decided to randomly recognize and then not recognize the driver for it and things like that. So I'm using my built-in webcam, which is clearly lower quality and lower lighting and all that stuff. But aside from John and I both being miserable and severe technical difficulties that uh, delayed the beginning of our recording by 45 minutes, I'd say things are going to be pretty good. Things are looking up. What do you think? Yeah, actually, actually, I think this camera makes you look better. You're far less defined, you know what I mean? Like, like your features are much fuzzier, and I, you look great. Great. Okay, appreciate that. So why did your day suck, John, before I get into a game that took me eight months to get to the end of? So, uh, listener, I work in a pharmacy, you probably know that, and when I walked in to my pharmacy today, I actually manage a pharmacy, and when I walked into my pharmacy today, 
um, like the 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 I've got three phone lines and the phone lines were lit up, which means that you know to me there's somebody on on the phone, um, and that's fine, that's normal. And then I like went over to my computer and I started the program that we used to do all of our prescription processing, like like everything. the The whole pharmacy runs on this one program. And I tried to start it, and it uh, it it gave me a server error. And our servers are located in the pharmacy, and the phone lines didn't shut off. So we've got an automatic system that allows people to like you know order things without actually talking to somebody if they just punch in some numbers. Um, and normally when somebody like calls in and the phones light up, they're they're usually using that system, not necessarily talking to somebody, right? So the phones never stopped, never stopped being lit up. And I was like, you know what? Our, our phones are down. Like that's not, this isn't normal. So not only is my server down, so I cannot actually do anything in the pharmacy right now, but I also do not have a phone with which to call. So I, I, I called my help desk from my, uh, from my cell phone. And I was like, I am in kind of a bind. I can't do anything. And meanwhile, people are calling the main store and asking for the pharmacy because they cannot call into the pharmacy directly. Um, so that's fun. So um, that was my morning. It took a couple of it took about an hour to fix. And in the pharmacy, work is front loaded, like heavily front loaded. So the first six to seven hours of my day are definitely the busiest when I see the most people when I because doctor's offices are open that's when I'm getting the most prescriptions that kind of thing and then it tends to taper off a little bit after that towards the evening when it gets much quieter so I had no computers I had no ability to answer phones for like the first part of the busiest part of my day and it literally put me behind for the entire rest of the day which was brutal. So it was one of those days where I constantly felt like I was playing catch-up, which is not every position I want to be in. And, you know, I, as somebody in pharmacy, one, I'm, I'm in healthcare, but I'm also in customer service. And, listener, if you're in customer service at all, which, you know, many people are in customer service, you know that, like, shit goes wrong at your job sometimes. And a lot of times it's not your fault. And... Oftentimes, you you will get the, in my case, patients, but you'll get customers that are understanding when there are technical difficulties. But I specifically had some customers that were not understanding of technical difficulties. And that's very frustrating because I am already, I am already very stressed out about the situation, trying to kind of play damage control. But on top of that, to have people impatiently tell me, how hard it is to wait for their prescription for slightly longer was very frustrated. Right? So that was kind of the position I was in this morning until the computers got fixed. And then, the and that's not even the worst part of, of the day. The worst part of the day is that once the computers were fixed, basically everything that had occurred over the course of the evening um, t- uh errored out in the computer system and so it all had to be reprocessed anything that happened overnight had to be reprocessed so there were about 40 prescriptions we had to hand process after that and it was just 
in it was incredibly time consuming. Incredibly time consuming. It's one of those days. And it took a long time. Oh my god. And it was the second and of course it's the second of my two consecutive twelve hour shifts, which this is the day that I am normally like the most dead at work anyway. Because I've worked this is my sixth day in a row that I've worked and my second of two consecutive twelve hour days. So like I was I was already, you know, slightly exhausted just going into work. And then that happened and it was like, oh my god. I don't know. It was it was a mess. It was a mess. It's tough. I have an incredible yeah, res- yeah, I uh I have an incredible amount of respect for pharmacist because uh you're like doctors, basically. I mean pretty much. Like uh and you don't have to do like ten years of school, but you have to do a lot of them. You're pretty much doctors and you're you also have to deal with people's crap, you know? Like at the doctor's office, they have the people that like admit people and you wait and then whatever. And the doctors just like see the people when they're ready. But you guys like, that's tough. Yeah. I mean, I am a doctor of pharmacy. That is my title. Right. But you also have to deal with people. So, and that's like, to me, it's, I just have so much respect for pharmacists uh, as someone who has to. People, people utilize, can be difficult. Yeah. As people, someone has to utilize pharmacies on a somewhat regular basis. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I always. Yeah, you're you're dying slowly. I mean, uh, we so all are, true. though, aren't we? I mean, Ray. I mean, Ray. Well, you, you. I guess I say that you, when I say you're dying slowly. I mean, I guess that means you're like faster than yeah, the sure. average person. Yeah, there's that. So there's that. My day was also awful for more personal reasons that I really won't get into. Uh, but let's just say, I I've um, I've been on the dating scene longer than I'd like to be. I'm ready to lock something down, and uh, it's not happening. And I'm. Mm-hmm. It's getting a little frustrating because there are people my age, i.e. Jonathan Martin, who have babies now and other friends of mine who are married or in very serious relationships and are getting married. Um, once you get in your late 20s, you know, uh, listener, you may, be, you may be in college, you may be in high school, you may be younger. I strongly urge you to find somebody when you're young and just hang on to them because it's just easier probably that way. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, so, you know, there's that. And I've, I started a new job last Friday, so that's going great. Everyone's super nice, uh, but it's a, it's a huge change of pace. So like, that's, that's a, you know, tough to adjust to. So a lot of life changes and things like that. Um, so are there, how's the demographic at your job now? Like, uh, like at the, at your last job, it was mostly people your age and a little bit yeah. younger, right? Yeah. This job totally different. So, it's all over the place. Um, probably the, the eight or nine people in my immediate area are pretty much my age, but, a lot of people on my floor are are older, ten to fifteen to maybe twenty years older. So it's kind of all over the place. I would say so. Definitely, definitely more like a yeah. I would careers. say I'm on I'm on the younger side. I would say mid twenties would be the youngest people there, and there aren't many that I know of. So that's a good place to be, though. Yeah, I thought so. So, uh, you know, um, uh, it's fine. It's fine. I have this big fancy corporate job, hence the short hair and all that stuff. So it's good. So that's what we. Mm-hmm. And unqualified gamers have been up to. Have you done anything fun lately to lighten the mood a little bit? No. Nope. Nothing. Nope. There has been is been literally zero fun. Did I do anything fun? Did anything fun over the weekend? Ah, I had friends over. Oh, that's, that's good. Hey, look at that. Yeah, we, we had we had Nick and Kristen over. Nick is a guy who usually goes to Gen Con with us every year. He did not make it this year, but he and his wife came over to the house. And yeah, you know what? We watched uh, the Grand Budapest Hotel, that Wes Anderson film. Yeah, I've definitely I definitely know who Wes Anderson is. The guy that did uh Friday the 13th or Dracula. Royal Tenenbaums 
is probably his most famous movie. Wes Anderson's New Nightmare was a Freddy the Craig, Freddy the Krueger movie. <laughs> Swing, you swung for it. It was good. Uh, so no, it wasn't that movie. So we watched the Grand Budapest Hotel, and that was awesome. It was a great movie, and that was it. That was the that was the big highlight of the weekend. Cool. Otherwise, right. no, nothing. I fun. will not get into excessive detail. But I went to Distant Worlds music from Final Fantasy. Is that a party with 16-year-olds? It, it is, is isn't it? No, that's not true. There were 16-year-olds I mean, there. There probably were. Don't you don't you lie to me. Okay, so I went to that. It's another Final Fantasy-themed concert. It is the sixth one they have done in Chicago and the fifth one I have attended in Chicago. I missed one in college. I feel like not... every other week we're talking about a Final Fantasy concert that you went to. Seriously. I do go to a lot. You go, to, uh, you go to all of them. I go to a lot, so I'm really into it. Right. But this one especially because this one was celebrating the 20th anniversary of Final Fantasy VI, mm-hmm. which I realized during the show, and I just wanted to bring it up because I realized during the show I have a stronger emotional connection to that game than any form of media or any, any piece of media I think that exists. To there Final is no, Fantasy VI, specifically? Yes, specifically Final Fantasy VI. There is, I don't think, any video game or book or movie that I have a stronger emotional connection with. That's definitely the power of nostalgia that makes you feel that way. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. And I'm not, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying it's for one reason or another. I just, right. it's, that's the one. That is the... That's you know, pretty the, cool. The, the thing you play during your formative years that just gets you, you know? Yep. And I I think it's just the writing and the characters and the complexity of the storyline and the opera scene. My God, the opera scene. And, and just everything about it, it is uh, – it is actually Arnie Roth, the conductor – mentioned at one point between songs that uh, once they finished the game, one of the developers said, this is the best game in the universe, um, actually. And I think maybe at the time it was. I, it's, it, it, is, it is a near-perfect game in so many ways. For me now, I play those games of my childhood like that, and it, especially like the ones that had the biggest influence on me, um, they totally transport me back to like being in my bedroom upstairs in my old house like playing games on a Saturday morning, that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think that's what it is for me. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, sitting, I would sit in the basement on the floor in front of the little TV in the video game cabinet, and uh, and that was just, you know, that was like innocence, man. You know, like childhood, man. Mm-hmm. But it, it was, you man. know, it's like, that's that's the time in your life when, Everything was fine, you know? Uh, like, life was just really good, and you were just taken care of, and... Life's good now. I, it's just less simple. It's just quite quite a lot less simple. So, um, yeah, it just it just struck such a chord. I teared up after every piece they played. Um, they relegated all of the Final Fantasy VI music to the second half. They opened with the hymn from Final Fantasy X. Mm-hmm. And if you've never been to Symphony Center, so there's the state. So Symphony Center uh, is where the Chicago Symphony Orchestra performs in Chicago. Uh, they've got the stage, obviously, and then uh, around, a, so above the stage, probably like 100 feet above the stage, they have a, a kind of balcony that, that wraps around the back of the stage, and it's got like five or six rows 
that go across the whole balcony, and that's for the full choir when they have a full choir. They didn't have a full choir for this, but but um, so if the CSO does a huge piece like Brahms Requiem or something, they'll have the orchestra on the main stage and then the choir kind of lining around the top of it. And then right behind where the choir sits, lining the back of the stage wall, is a giant pipe organ. Mm-hmm. So... For the very opening, they had two vocalists on either side of the balcony, uh, one male and one female, and they just started singing the hymn, you know, the, like, right. that one from Final Fantasy X. Uh, and it was it was just, you know, you could hear a pin drop in the place. And it was really good. It was a, the perfect opener. It was the perfect opener. Um, and then from there, they played a lot of standard repertoire that I've seen at other Final Fantasy concerts I won't get into. And they decided to stick um, all of the Final Fantasy VI music into the second half. Um, they had a couple of premieres, um, but did a lot of old stuff. Uh, not like a lot of old stuff, but they did they did some that they've done before. They had like a mini character medley that only consisted of Terra's theme, Celis's theme, Locke's theme, and I want to say one other one. Oh, Kafka's theme, actually, oddly. Makes sense. Um, yeah, we were a little disappointed they didn't do, like, the whole ending medley, which is 25 minutes of every theme song, but what can you do? But that's forever, is yeah. the thing. Yeah, so that was nice, and they also did a, um, uh, they did the very end, so after that 25-minute medley at the ending scene, when they get in the airship and they start flying around and the credits roll, the staff credits, yeah. uh, they did that song, the kind of victorious kind and of was that, like, song. the finale? Uh, no, the finale, so the last piece they did... Uh, was I don't remember. I mean, they they did the was it opera. Dancing Mad. Uh, no, they did Dancing Mad. Was I think second piece they did in the second half. Okay. Uh, Dancing Mad. They had a soloist uh, on the pipe organ. Oh my god! I mean, that song uh, is fantastic. So. And the entire third movement is just pipe organ. Yeah. So if you've never played the game for whatever reason, listener, um, Final Fantasy VI, the final boss before Kafka is three stages. And it's this... um, It's a big tower. It's a big tower, and it's organ music that plays a different tune, kind of, with an orchestra on each stage. The third stage is just just the pipe organ. I've heard the song arranged before where they end at the third stage, but they rolled into Kefka's theme at the end of it. Um, But for, like, three minutes, the organist was just going, and those pipes at the CSO Symphony Center just, like... Really cool. So that was actually probably the highlight for me. Usually I thought it was going to be the opera because the opera, the last time I saw the opera, I had one or two, I had several beers in me and I sobbed when it was over. I just completely fell apart and lost it. Um, didn't do that to me this time. I guess I still, still teared up a little bit. Um, I don't remember what they closed with. My dirty little secret. I'm not terribly fond of the opera. Really? Really. Yeah, as far as music goes in that game, that is not like in my top five. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, it just never it never clicked with me. That's fair. I mean, you know, it's whatever. And like I said, I like Dancing Mad more. You know, this arrangement. Yeah. So that was just awesome. So it was it was great. If if Final Fantasy, you know, Distant Worlds ever comes to where you are, please go. And they just released a CD of the chamber music. Uh, which is uh, a new world intimate music from Final Fantasy. I reviewed that on a podcast when I went to Anime Central in April, so you can check that out on unqualifiedgamers.com. But um, they've released a CD now, so you can get the chamber music, which is very exciting. Did they happen to do Atma Weapons theme? They did not. That is one of my favorite songs in that whole game. And see, I was never particularly fond of that one. Oh, I freaking love that song. It's so good. 
Now they did and the one other thing I do want to mention, they did Dark World. Um so when I went to a New World, the intimate music concert, Nabuli Mutz gets on the um on the organ and Arnie Roth, the conductor, gets his violin out, and they both perform. And then they're, they were accompanied at some point by some of the chamber orchestra. Uh-huh. They did it with the full orchestra, and I have goosebumps just thinking about it. Like, it's unreal. So if that's on any albums, check out Dark World from Final Fantasy VI. Any arrangement is ridiculous. Right, that's pretty cool. So, good. so yeah, it was, it was really good. It was nice. It was not the Chicago Symphony performing like I thought it was going to be, but it was still good. And, uh, hey, speaking of good music and Square Enix, which does the concert series, mm-hmm. uh, they, you know, they also did a medley from Final Fantasy XIII, and I really didn't care for it, which is a shame because I love the music from that series. Yeah, the music in that game is fantastic. I love the music in that game. Lightning Returns, I, I was going to say, is one of the best soundtracks I thought from last year. But, yeah, I, I didn't care for the arrangement, oddly. Mm-hmm. It's kind of disappointing, but whatever. Uh there's that um, but yeah hey Square Enix good music what does that make you think of does it make you think of uh, the Nintendo 3DS is there Nintendo 3DS on the camera or is that uh, the audio listeners are going to love that that's not that's it doesn't make me think of that it makes me think of of old Super Nintendo games when you talk about Square Enix and good music yeah oh well hey uh, shut up that's, that's what I have to say about that you want to hear about Bravely Default? I'm glad you finally beat it, so maybe you can... I haven't beaten it. I'm glad... I just want it to be over. <laughs> I just want it to be over. I'm literally at the final boss. Like, literally. If I open it, I think I'm in the middle of fighting... Oh, no, I'm not. I'm in the final... I saved in the final dungeon. Okay. But I, no, I, I did it. I attempted the final boss twice today. I will beat it in the next couple days. And it, went, it went well is what you're saying. The final boss went well. Yeah, obviously, because I only fought him twice and obviously died both times. So it's going really well. Okay, good. Really well, yeah. Uh, is, it, is it that kind of death where, like, you get rolled or do you feel like you're making progress? Uh, depends on my job setup. I have changed my job class setup a couple times. I did a lot of progress in my first attempt, and then I, I tried to tweak my system, and I got rolled pretty okay. hard, okay. like three times. Yeah. So um, Jonathan gave a general overview of the combat system for the game when he did his kind of miniature review back in, like, December or January. Yeah, you know, back when the game first came out. Sure, which is when I got it, of course. Mm-hmm. Yep. So go to unqualifiedgamers.com and just search for Bravely Default if you want to find that. Or check out our YouTube channel. It's also on YouTube. So Jonathan goes over the, the combat system. Uh, you know, To briefly skim it over, basically the, the deal is you have a battle point. If you defend on your turn, you get a battle point. If you uh, use your attack, you use the battle point. And you can also... Use a brave attack, which means you can attack up to four times per turn. Uh, which or there's some abilities one... that, or there's some abilities that use multiple battle points. Or there's some abilities that use multiple battle points, uh, and that depletes your battle points. So you can default to game battle points, or brave to deplete battle points, or just kind of normal attack. If you just like do a normal attack every turn, it just breaks even. So because you accumulate a battle point automatically. At the end of each turn. You will never, and you will never, you will never succeed at playing the game if you do not defend to some turns. Like, you could not attack every turn 
and be successful at the game. It just doesn't work. Yes, because you can go up to negative four battle points, but if you do that, then every turn until you get back up to one, so four turns, your your character is just useless. So he's not defending, he's just standing there. So that's not good. So, uh, yeah, and you can accumulate up to three battle uh, points extra with certain abilities, uh, certain, like, uh, equipment and things like that. And, uh, you know, you can accumulate up to that much and then spend them how you like. So that's the stick. It, it, it paces the battle system. The enemies obey that combat system as well. Um, it, I think, often lengthens the, uh, the length of a battle. Uh, I think your dog is trying to get escape Fred's dear life or something in the background. By the way, well, we that? we put in the hardwood floors, and the dog's <laughs> nails do click a little bit more on hardwood than they do on carpet. Oh, so right, it could okay. be the dog. And my wife just went through to grab some some food out of the kitchen. So of course, where there is food, there is dog. That's and, true, and that's kind of what happened there. That's true. Okay, so that's the brave uh, the battle system of bravely default. In terms of a role-playing game, it uh, functions exactly like Final Fantasy. Uh, they name the spells Fire and Fyra and Fyraga. Uh, to cure blind, you use eye drops. Echo herbs cure silence. Um, things like that. So all the items have the same names. Potion, ec- high potion, I mean, the game, potion. to me, the game, like, was a Final Fantasy game. It pretty much is. It's, it is. It's like if you dialed it back to, like, Final... It's like if they had made Final Fantasy 3, not 6, but 3, the original... As a new game today, it would be this because it has evolutions and new features that are really cool. Um, that I, that I won't I mean, get super into. The 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 surname part, the tag for the the Japanese game was briefly default Flying Fairy, which is FF, which is the same as Final Fantasy. I mean, like they leaned into it as a company. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely did. And it's it's actually Bravely Default Flying Fairy in the U.S. as well. Right. Which actually plays into something. So, uh, with that in mind, uh, the four characters are Tiz, Ringabel, Adia, and Agnes. I think they're really entertaining. Uh, at first, I thought they were very generic, as you did. I think they, you, they really grow on you. They really have very distinct personalities. Ringabel has a fun back and forth with everybody. Adia has a really fun back and forth with everybody. Um, they become very distinct by the end of the game. And it's fun, so it's very nice. So even by mid-game, you know, you really... They kind of grow on you. And I even liked the voice acting after a while as well. So um, that's that. Now let's talk about the structure of the game. This is going to include spoilers. So if you've not played the game, you may not want to listen. But... There's a lot of commotion and hubbub about the end game of this game. Uh, Jamie Butterworth, one of our fellow gamers at large um, uh, network, I guess, members, uh, he took a lot of issue with the near end of the game, uh, as did several other members, actually, of the network. Um, And I have discovered why that is. So, Jonathan, you have played the first three and a half chapters, right? I was the final chapter I got to was was where we were. Everyone was like moving towards Adia's. We were at Adia's hometown. We had just passed through it, and we were going to get the water crystal at that point. I want to say. Oh, so you're oh you're still I, in chapter three then. Um, whatever one is in the snowy area. That's actually the earth crystal. Ironically, I feel like it was chapter four. That's chapter four. Earth you crystal. Were, yeah. you were no, that's crystal. where we were. It was the it was the earth crystal. Okay. Yes. So, 
So, um, also a throwback to Final Fantasy games. So, the, the original Final Fantasy was about collecting the crystals, right? I think. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the storyline of that it game was. very well. They brought back the crystals in Final Fantasy 2, and I, I'm not sure about 3, but they definitely did in 4, uh, where you have the light and dark crystals. There were, crystal- and then- there were crystals in 3 and 4 yeah. and 5. And they... They've even as recently as Final Fantasy 13, they use them in a different way. But the one of the main characters, Lightning's sister, is crystallized, and like becoming a crystal is a thing that happens. So crystals are a very underlying theme in the Final Fantasy series, and that's uh, displayed just outright central storyline in Bravely Default, which is another reason why people consider it pretty much a Final Fantasy game. Uh, pretty basic story. Uh, the world is in chaos or whatever, the seas don't have any tides, the wind stopped blowing, so you must awaken the four elemental crystals. Simple, right? Chapter one of the game, well, there's a prologue where you, you kind of learn about this cataclysm. Tiz's hometown is destroyed, there's a big crater, that sucks. Okay, you meet all your friends. That's, the, that's a prologue, okay? Chapter one, awaken the wind crystal. Get the winds to blow again. Great, cool. Chapter 2, awaken the water crystal so you can sail across the water. Great, cool. Got the water crystal. Chapter 3 is the fire crystal, which actually doesn't do anything. It's in a volcano, but that's not even active, so that's weird. And then number 4 is uh, the earth crystal, which is being used in a different way that's kind of creative and and innovative, which I kind of like. So they're harvesting that crystal, kind of like Mako Reactor in Final Fantasy VII, just kind of like sucking its energy out for industrial purposes in this case medical purposes okay um so then so that's chapter four and then presumably uh at the end of chapter four once you have awakened all four crystals a pillar of light appears and you enter that pillar to seal the great chasm that has appeared and then probably fight some final boss right or maybe there's some little twist yeah that's the end of the game what that sounds like a great arc how many chapters do you think are in this game so that so you just went through four chapters and then that last chapter should be a fifth chapter. So I would think five. I would think four and then plus a nice little like wrap up chapter. You know, chapter five could be like optional bosses in the final dungeon. Like doesn't that sound reasonable? Yeah, and there there may be six chapters. You know, maybe there's one other kind of tie it all together yeah, before, maybe like, a... Yeah, maybe there's, like, a storyline chapter that leads into the final dungeon chapter, but then the final dungeon chapter would have to just be the final chapter. Sure, it would be abbreviated for sure, right? So that's what one would think exactly. yep. would happen. So this is where the spoilers mm-hmm. begin. Uh, apologize in advance to everybody but John, who is dying to know about this. There are nine chapters. Okay? That seems like a lot. Okay, well, it's really going to seem like a lot when you find out what they are. Um, One other important thing that I have to uh, mention before talking about Chapter 5 is that there's a job system in this game. We've discussed it. In order to acquire a new job, you must defeat... So, if, like, to get... You must acquire the asterisk, which is a stone, the asterisk for that job. So, if you want to become a thief, you have to defeat the thief who holds the asterisk... And then you can be a thief. You accumulate these jobs throughout the progress of the game. One of the first ones you fight is a white mage. You defeat the evil white mage. You get her asterisk. You have the white mage in your party. So there are about 16, maybe, I want to say 15 to 20 jobs with bosses who hold asterisks. 
Uh-huh. And again, throughout the game, you collect these asterisks. You know, white mage, black mage, red mage, spell fencer, thief, samurai, ninja, all that stuff. So, cool. Uh, the, uh, they're, uh, for the most part, actually optional, um, but you you don't really skip them. They're, I mean, they're pretty much not optional, right? Like, you need a black mage. Right. So, um, this is a very important thing to mention. So, in addition to uh, fighting the four big bad bosses that you do in each temple, because of course, before you awaken a crystal, you have to fight a monster. There are also about twenty other of bosses. You do. Yeah, there are also about twenty other bosses in the game that hold asterisks. So, when you get to chapter five, you actually the game actually has a kind of a throwback to Chrono Trigger. The very opening of the game is. A, a gentleman actually saying good morning, good morning, Tiz who is the main character and you wake up in Narende which is near your hometown which is now obliterated because there's a chasm Okay, so there's that little throwback uh, to good morning Chrono in Chrono Trigger well, chapter 5 begins with so chapter 4 ends with you enter the holy pillar the airship's trying to hold together oh my gosh, everything goes white, white out chapter 5 begins with good morning, Tiz and you wake up in Narende. And you think, okay. So we awaken the crystals. We enter the holy pillar. Is the chasm closed? You run outside. You look outside. Chasm's not closed. You look around. Um, the sea stopped. And there's no wind blowing. And, yeah, that's kind of weird. So your party regroups. Y'all remember each other. You're like, hey, that was, that was weird. <laughs> what just happened? Uh, why are we all back here? And no one remembers you. And, uh... So it's like exit- a different world, but you guys are all there. Yeah, so you, you exit to the main map, and, um... Whenever there is a, a boss with an asterisk, they are denoted on the main map with a blue exclamation point. And the uh, temples, or your destination locations, are, are denoted with a yellow exclamation point. In Chapter 5, you go to the main map, and literally every asterisk has returned to the main map, as well as all four of the crystals... You must reawaken all four of the crystals. You've got an airship, so this is fine. Uh, you know, you can just fly straight to the temples. It's fine. Just fly straight to one temple. Okay. Fight the boss, awaken the crystals, straight to the other. As an optional uh, boss, you can go refight the asterisk bosses. And they have different dialogue. They're different characters. Some of them aren't as mean as they were in the first world. So you're basically in a parallel world where you have to reawaken the four crystals and you can optionally refight every asterisk bearer. Okay. I'll just continue. Okay. So you get to the end of chapter five. What's the story? The story is you don't know what's going on. You're like, well, uh, you know, Aerie is is your fairy companion. She's like the navi of the group and Aerie... And it's like, I got this mini-map. And it says I got to do this stuff, so I'm sh- I should go do this stuff because the minimap says so. Well, she says she's like, I don't know what happened. I have a really high voice. I we awakened the crystals. I don't know what went wrong. We'll just have to awaken them again. So you have to go awaken them again. So that's the idea, this kind of thing. Um, also, at this point, ring a bell. Ring a bell. The character in your party had lost his memory at the beginning of the game. And at this point, he is starting to get some of his memories back, and you start to learn a little bit about him. And things, honestly, things got very interesting in Chapter 5. Because when you entered that pillar and you woke up, I was like, oh, that's weird. Like, I have to go refight things, and some of the characters are different, and Ringabell's got some memories, and, like, this is interesting. 
It was legitimately interesting. Chapter 5, I was like, this is an interesting twist. I don't know where it's going. I'm excited to see where it goes. Cool. I awaken all four. So, uh, as a kind of, not a completionist, I'm not like a completionist. I have to get every item. But when you see 10 exclamation points on your mini map, you want to clear them, right? In right. that way, I'm a bit of a completionist. So, I go fight all the asterisk guys. They're a lot stronger now, too. Like, a lot stronger. I had to grind. I'll get to the grinding later. I had to grind. I beat them all. Beat all four of the crystal bosses. Re-entered the holy pillar. All right, cool. Let's re-enter the holy pillar. Let's do it. That's chapter five. Chapter six begins. Good morning, Tiz. And you're in another parallel world where none of the crystals have been awakened and all of the asterisk bearers are back on the map. Yeah. Are oh, you yeah. serious? I'm like dead all, serious. All twenty again. Yes. Um. Yes. With more. Some. Sometimes their their locations are moved slightly. The crystals are always in the same place at the same boss, but the asterisk bears is slightly moved a couple of them, and certain events don't trigger the same way. Like when you go to the village that's kind of embroiled in a war. There's usually a dinner scene where an asterisk bearer kind of ambushes. That's no longer there. You find them in another tower, basically. Um, so if you have moved, overall kind of the same, and a couple have actually teamed up. So there's, like, maybe if you fought two in close proximity in the first and second world, and in this third world, like, they're just going to fight you together. So, okay, that's, that's a little interesting. Cool. So that's chapter six. So, cool. I fight all the asterisk bearers in chapter six. Go back fight all the four of the crystal monsters, reawaken all at the crystals. This, at this point, have, is it getting, is it feeling tedious at all? Uh, a little bit. A little bit. Okay. So, get to the end of chapter six, and there, there's a, there's an extra reason for that that I'll get into in a little bit. Get to the end of chapter six, awaken all four crystals, boom, you are all set, you enter the holy pillar. Chapter seven begins. Good morning, Tiz. And all four crystals are no longer awoken. There are, there are fewer exclamation points on the map. At this point, you're now fighting the asterisk bearers two to three at a time. I think maybe, maybe four at a time even in some cases, but mostly three at a time. So you're okay. fighting them in groups, which means they're much harder because they're still very strong and they're very challenging. All right? So there's that. So I fight all of the optional bosses. Again, this is now... Not counting the first four chapters, I fought them in five already, and in six, this is now chapter seven. So I've now beaten them three times, in addition to the original time. So, cool, beat all them, reawaken the crystals. And I'm sure you're ahead of me by this point, but chapter eight is, good morning, Tiz. And it is a fourth how, parallel world. How long are we talking that it takes you to get through these chapters? Well, I'll get to, I'll get to that in one second. Um, in Chapter 8, okay. all of the bosses, you fight four at a time. And they are hard. They are legitimately tough. There's even a couple fights okay. where once you defeat one of them, another one will step in and replace them immediately. So you're really fighting five, just four at a time. And then you have to, like, whittle them down from there. So they're very challenging. There was one that was incredibly hard that I, I had to use. I had to summon a lot of my friends. Uh, which is the sweet pass thing. I'm going to get into that in a minute, too. So, um, chapter 8 was the shortest chapter in terms of travel time because 
there's only like six exclamation points, four or five maybe actually even. Um, so there aren't that many places to go. You just need to fight the battles when you get there. And you have to fight all four crystal bosses again. Great. Um, now at the end of chapter eight, this is not repeated in chapter nine, but at this point you have awoken the crystals 20 times. And that does play into the storyline. They explain why and some things that, that aren't necessary to spoil, so I won't. In terms of how long it takes for all these chapters, here's the thing about Bravely Default. By the time I was getting to the three-person battles, they it takes me, when I get on the train to go to work in the morning, it's about a half-hour ride, maybe 35 minutes, give or take. <clears throat> sometimes 30, sometimes 40, depends. Sometimes 25 if it's fast. But about a half hour, right? I would start a battle immediately upon getting on the train, and I wouldn't have finished the battle by the time I got to my destination. Because the battles would take, or I would just be wow. finishing it. Like Because the battles would take 20 minutes or 30 minutes because of all the braving and defaulting you have to do, and strategery, and buffing your characters, and debuffing their characters, and timing attacks and things like that. So there became, uh, there was a point where a lot of strategy was involved, which is perfect for a game with a job system. Like, really perfect. Mm -hmm. Because you want to be forced to play around with these jobs. You want to be forced to uh, have to readjust your strategy and customize it. And, oh, I had a magic attack user in this party, but, like, I really need characters focused on buffing my party because these opponents are debuffing me. So I rearranged my party several times in order to beat these. And in some cases, with the four-person battles near the end, I had to start summoning friends, which I'll get into in a second. Uh, because it, unless I used, like, an overpowered attack, there was no way I was going to beat them, naturally. So the difficulty is very, very high. Keep in mind also, this is coming from a guy who played and beat Shovel Knight without realizing that you can pause the game to change the item you're using from your inventory. So I'm not right. what you would call necessarily really good at video games. So there's that. Um, I'm not awful at this game, but I'm, I'm certainly no expert at, at shuffling around these job classes. But this is where people were were understandably unhappy about the game because you play four chapters and that's that feels like a good game to you 20 30 hours whatever maybe 40 and then you basically fight all the bosses again for chapter 5 and then you do it again for chapter 6 you do six. this you do the same thing four times in a row over and over again four times in a row after the original game essentially now again i fought right. every asterisk boss because I felt like it because I'm OCD about clearing those exclamation points from my map. Mm -hmm. um, and they were fun. They did get progressively more fun. And by chapter four, when or by chapter eight, when you saw the interactions between these characters, because you're approaching them four at a time, their cutscenes just got really ludicrous. Like the red mage is a philanderer, and the red mage is paired with three of the female asterisk bears. So, like he's like basically harassing them, and they're all just giving him crap and making fun of him and stuff. So it gets really funny. Um, you know, the dialogue takes some fun twists and turns, and it 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 they they keep it interesting for what it is. There is repetition. 
there is certainly repetition. You're certainly fighting the same bosses. But Square Enix does a damn good job of keeping it interesting and challenging. And I played this on hard mode, by the way, so I should, I guess I should get a little credit for that. I beat it on hard mode. Um, so, uh, so, yeah. I don't know time-wise how long it was taking for me to beat these chapters. You know, I'm at 74 hours now at the end of the game, wow. I want to say. 70, let's check, 73 hours and 40 minutes. This is on top of dying several times, so probably closer to 80 hours in playtime. 73 hours, you know, like I said, I was at somewhere between 30 and 40 after the first four chapters, so figure right. about 10 hours a chapter beyond the first four. Actually, in well, in general, there, wow. there was nine chapters, I'm at 73, so an average of eight hours a chapter. Eight times... What is that? Eight times nine is 73. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... 72. Well, sure. Close enough. So, uh, yeah. So, so um, they keep it interesting, and they keep it good. Uh, obviously, I can understand why some people have problems with it, because it is very repetitive in a way. The other thing is, when you street pass people in this game, or when you save the game and select Update Friends from the save menu, that connects to Wi-Fi and pulls in four random friends. So... You could be in North Dakota where nobody lives, nobody has a 3DS, and you can just update friends from the internet and it'll pull in friends. So don't worry if you're in a rural area, it's fine. When you street pass or pull in friends, you're able to summon them in battle to use an attack that they send via their 3DS. So for example, right. uh, during a battle, I can use Tiz's limit break, and I can select send, use the limit break, and then... It, it, he throws up a little pendant and it disappears and anybody I street pass when they summon it, Tiz will use that limit break and do roughly the same amount of damage that I just did with him this can go up to 6 figures that means 999,999 <laughs> I actually street passed 2 uh, I got 2 data um, sets that did 999,999 damage um, and actually, when I but use... you cannot, you cannot do that with your own party. Is that correct? I have no idea how to do that with my party. No idea. So okay. Well, here's another. Here's another thing. You can do up to nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine damage when you're playing the game with any attack. Cool. Okay. So that's the cap nine 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 nine. Just like any Final Fantasy game up through like ten or something. Mm-hmm. All right. That's normal. There is a feature in the game called Bravely Second. And this is a little bit controversial. Bravely Second, if you hit start or select, it freezes the battle. No matter if the opponent's attacking or what, it freezes the battle and allows you to select any character to use any move that they have available at that time, including summoning friends, uh, to use any move at that time, and that will surpass, it can surpass that damage limit. So the way these people are sending 999999 damage is they're presumably going to a low-level enemy, finding its weakness, and just using a ludicrously overpowered attack on it to cause that amount of damage, and then they're also sending that attack. So that's that makes sense how they do that. I could do that much damage, but probably not with a regular attack on like a final boss or anything. I'd probably have to send it from fighting a low-level monster. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yes. It's a little convoluted. 
Yes. No, I get it, though. Now, Bravely Second is powered by uh, SP, which I don't know what that stands for. Doesn't matter. SP are accumulated by keeping your game asleep for eight hours, and you get one SP. I believe they're called sleep points. Are they sleep points? Yes. You can find out right now. Yeah. Um, I'm actually going to check right now. It is. It just says SP drinks, so I don't know what that means. Uh, anyway, but you can get these SP drinks. Now, uh, you can get up to three SP. To accumulate an SP, your game must be asleep for eight hours. And then when you wake it up, you know, if I leave it for 24 hours, I'll have three SP. Maybe it's 12. Eight or 12. Doesn't matter. Uh, or... And remember, this is the only way to do more than 9,999 damage other than summoning a friend. Or you can purchase an SP drink, which replenishes your SP, using your Wi-Fi connection for real money to Square Enix. Hmm. Were you aware of this? I was. So I was doing that for dramatic effect. I believe some of the discontent with this game is the feeling that if you have to plow through 50 or 60 extra bosses, or you choose to, or whatever, and you want to do it somewhat quickly, a really fast way of doing that is removing the damage cap so that you can do ludicrous amounts of damage on these bosses per attack. And in order to do that, you need to pay money. So essentially it becomes a bit of a slow grind for an end game unless you spend money. You pay you pay to win. Now, I did not experience this issue. I found ways around that. Uh, again, when I got to the four-person battles in Chapter 8, I would often summon a friend that did 58,000 damage with one attack. And you don't need to use <clears throat> Bravely Second in order to, re- to surpass the damage cap if you're summoning a friend. So I would do that a few times. Okay. So there is a way around it. And you can you can update that friend data and get four new friends, I think, every 24 hours or something. But basically once a day it works. So you can get that pretty quickly. Now, again, this is part of why it took me eight months to beat this game. Because a month ago or two months ago, I was done with Chapter 4. And then all of a sudden I had four more chapters to do where I redid Chapters 1 through 4 four right. times. So. That's how that works. So, and I, I know I'm getting kind of granular with a lot of this, but it, I think it's important to understand all of the context of everything to kind of get a feel for all this. I didn't think it was necessary. I found a combo, and here's a pro tip for you. I combined uh, uh, Samurai or Bushido or whatever the class is with Pirate. Samurai or Bushido or whatever it is has a move that... I don't remember what it's called, but it reduces the the magic point cost of all your attacks to zero for two turns. The pirate has an ability called Amped Strike, which deals four times the damage of a normal attack in one attack. It normally costs about 300 magic points to use. So what I would do is I would collect three battle points. I would brave four times. So with my first attack, I would use this zero MP cost attack and with the remaining three attacks I would use amp strike and that consistently did 9999 damage because I would also have a pirate in the party that would lower the opponent's physical defense and a uh, singer in the party or a bard who would up my 
party's magic, my party's physical attack. So I buff my physical attack, debuff the opponent's physical defense, and then would use one move where I used three amp strikes, and then a second time, you know, because after you use your four with the brave points, you're at zero. You can then brave four times to go to negative four brave points and do sure. max damage on each of those four. So that's seven attacks, that's 70,000 damage in two turns. Um, chapter four, the bosses are really challenging, but I believe they lowered the max HP for some of the bosses. I know they did in chapter seven. Um, so they would only have like 100,000 or maybe 120,000. So basically, if I just set up and teed off, I could take these guys out pretty quickly. That was my strategy. Again, there's lots of different ways to play this game, which is cool. But, you know, it got somewhat repetitive. Uh, someone's got to be kind of obsessive, and, it, you know, it doesn't... It, to you, or in a lot of other people, it probably doesn't sound that fun. I am... I find satisfaction, extreme satisfaction, in just completing things, in just knowing, like, I destroyed chapter 5, I mastered chapter 6, I... I obliterated chapter 7, I maxed out chapter 8, boom, I have done everything in this game, hit chapter 9, hit with the ground running, and then go to the final dungeon, like, that's how I operate, and it, sometimes in order to get there, you've got to do some more tedious, more repetitive stuff, it was grating on me at times, but sometimes when they switched up those battles and I got rolled by the opponent, I'd be like, oh, dude, I got to recustomize my whole party. Let's see what new tricks I can find and experiment with to get past this opponent. And that was really fun. It was really fun. Oh, for sure. The party, the party building aspect of this game is the game. I mean, that's the same reason why I've talked about why Final Fantasy V is such a great game for me, is that it's it's the customization of your party possibilities is like endless you know what i mean absolutely i think this game is intended to be played over i think this game is best played over a long period of time and that can be a little frustrating in a role-playing game where you're enjoying a story and you want to know the end of the story it's like when you're reading a book you don't get halfway through the book and then slowly read you know you get to that point in the book where you can't put it down right a good book this is like that because the battle system's so good. It's like a good book. You want to keep playing it. You want to keep consuming it. And it's really compelling. But then there's so much of it. And sometimes it slows down a bit. And it just... Yeah. So I don't hate this game. I will probably never play it again. I think the replay value is incredibly low. Like, unbelievably low. Because you're essentially well, considering that you basically you're essentially replaying the game four times exactly. over the course of the game. Exactly. You know, it's like you're not even new game plusing. Um. So uh, you know, I I don't hate this game. I don't think that you're forced to buy SP drinks. I think that maybe players that are a little less creative with their job builds or less patient or rich i don't know there are there is an audience for it and you may not be that audience but i don't think it's a necessary thing personally um again you can't be one shot killing every opponent but i don't think it was that debilitating um the other thing is this did this was interesting i mentioned i think i mentioned to you maybe even when you get to chapter five all of the enemies are substantially stronger so I had the game on hard mode. I had my battles. You can adjust your rate of 
enemy encounters at any point in the game. You just open the menu. You can make it 0% so you're not encountering any enemies at any point in the game. You can do this from the first battle. You can the start of the game. You can set it this way. Or you can double the rate of enemy encounters. So like every two steps you're getting into a battle. Which is nice for grinding. So you don't have to run around forever waiting for enemies to attack you, right? I had my battle setting set at standard for the vast majority. Actually, pretty much all of the first four chapters. Got to chapter five. I was getting beaten by regular opponents in like basic dungeons. They were just destroying me. So I found a spot to grind. And I G-chatted with you about this. I think I mentioned this. I found a spot to grind. And I was like level 50 or 60 or so. I found a spot to grind. I uh, I had Adia, the black mage. I equipped some abilities that allowed her to cast, to group cast single target spells. So when I used Doom, I used Doom on every target. I upped the hell out of her magic stats I gave her uh, some stuff that reduced the amount of magic she exuded per battle. And every battle, I just put on auto battle and had her cast death on everyone. And it worked 90% of the time. So I kind of ran around in circles doing that for, like... I mean, at the point when I was texting you, it was ridiculous, right? Wasn't it, like... Didn't I gain, like, 8 levels in 10 minutes or something? Or, like, 12 minutes or something? Something. I think I asked you if you were having fun. And I don't think... I think you said no. (laughs) Uh, I, I might but have. you did continue to do it. Yeah. The nice thing about the game, the whole control design, you can actually play the entire game with one hand, which is generally a joke reserved for Dead or Alive Extreme Beach Volleyball, but it's legitimately they map the L button, and you can hit left and right for confirm and uh, and go back right. in menus. So it's, it's designed specifically so you can one-hand it. I was one-handing on the train with my left hand and gaining levels and grinding while G-chatting with John with Google Hangouts on my phone in my right hand. Like, simultaneously, for entire train rides, like, three times. Um, Because of the area I found, and because of the amount of experience I was getting, and because of the speed, I was skyrocketing levels. And I reached level 99 at the beginning of Chapter 5. Because I couldn't beat a single asterisk bearer, and I was getting rolled by normal enemies. So I just grinded, and it was so fast, I was like, well, what the hell? I might as well go to level 99. Level 99 in Chapter 5. So that literally got you up to the highest level you could be. In chapter five of nine. So you still had four more chapters. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now that being said, your jobs gain levels. Cody didn't mention that, but your jobs also gain levels, listener. So, like, you gain levels as a character, and then as your jobs gain individual levels as well. So there were still things for you to advance. There are still things to advance, but my experience points had reached maximum. I also maxed out like half of the job, more than half of the job classes for each character. And at that point, I was like, I don't need every character to master every job. So I stopped changing jobs and I turned off enemy encounters. I have not encountered an enemy since chapter four Mm. or since chapter five, I guess, because what's the point? It's it's literally a waste of time. If you see 20 dots on the map that you need to go fight bosses, like, I have to travel to all of those and fight those boss battles. I'm not going to, like, work through, fight through a dungeon to get to a boss that I have to kill, optionally, you know? That would have taken... I mean, I'm at 73 hours. If I had fought through every dungeon again, it would have taken easily 150. I mean, it would have been insane. 
So right. that's a bit of a drawback, I think, is that the difficulty spikes so quickly. I overgrinded, I understand, but at the same time, I was also able to grind up so fast that I reached that level, and then enemy encounters became useless. So when I got to the final dungeon, there's actually there's an optional dungeon that has new enemies, and the final dungeon has enemies. I haven't fought at any regular enemies in either of them, because it's like, what's the point? What am I trying to prove? If sure. I want to, like, fill my bestiary, I guess, but who cares? Um, so, so that was kind of an interesting... Maybe, maybe, maybe there are items that you can get dropped from some of those enemies in dungeons that would be beneficial. Equipment, Maybe, that, that would be thing. a good game design choice. That would be a good game design choice. I hope that's the, the case. I was not aware of that. Uh, and there is one optional dungeon available in Chapter 9, the final dungeon. Uh, I literally just ran... It was like 10 minutes straight. It's 10 floors. Maybe not 10. Maybe 8 minutes or maybe 10 minutes straight of just running through the dungeon, grabbing every treasure chest, going down the stairs. You know, at the start of the game, mm-hmm. at the start of the game, I told you, those blue treasure chests, you can't open until chapter, actually chapter 6, I think. And you just get a key so you can open all these. There's a blue treasure chest in basically every dungeon in the game. And I, and, I, and, and I said, well, you can turn off encounters and just run through the dungeons and, you know, pick them all up. And, and John, you were like, that doesn't sound fun. And, that is what I said. Yeah, and the optional dungeon was not fun because I wasn't fighting monsters because there was no point. So I just ran through, got all the chests, got to the basement. Then there was the optional boss. The, mm-hmm. you know, the Square Enix legendary difficult boss or whatever. I won't spoil sure. who it is, but it is one of the most ludicrously overpowered boss battles I have ever played. I summoned... I used all of my Bravely Seconds summoning... I summoned both of my uh, friends that did 999,999 damage in addition to, like, two others that did a half million damage. And I barely beat him. Like, very barely. The optional battle is ludicrous. That's crazy. Yeah, but I beat it, and that's the way Square likes it. You know, they're always like that. But I beat it, and I have the hat to prove it because you get a, you get some stupid token doesn't do anything. Uh, but yeah, I got it. And then I was like, and I did that yesterday, I think. And that's when I was like, I can finally go to the final dungeon, final boss battle. Because chapter nine, you're done with the crystals, right? Chapter eight, you've unlocked twenty crystals at that point. You go in the holy pillar. You're in the final parallel world. You go to the great chasm. That's where the final boss is. Awesome. Uh, there is a kind of cool storyline twist, too. It's fun. Go to the final dungeon. Ran through that for 20 minutes this morning because I wasn't fighting battles. I was just grabbing treasure chests and running through it. And I got to the final boss. And the final boss, uh, despite all of the battling I've done, I have done three different job builds now, and the final boss is destroying me. So it is a hell of a final Perfect. boss. Which is good, and it will feel very rewarding. I'm actually going to wait till tomorrow morning to attempt it again because I'm going to update my friends and try to get a few more friends with, like, ludicrous damage uh, that they can deal. Um, but at this point, I'm just... I'm ready for the game to be over. I'm definitely ready for it to be over. But it's been fun, and at no point, having set this on hard mode the whole time, at no point has there has it failed to provide some sort of challenge so the, the, that's that's really that's a default. good that's a good thing. Yeah, it is. That's a good, a good thing. thing. I mean, I mean, that's actually. It seems like that's kind of a a design of Square Enix games now, where there's a there's like a cap because 
because you know in in long ago role playing games you know you wouldn't end the game at level 99 you'd end the game somewhere in in whatever not at the not at the highest level oh, like 50 or 60 and if you in ever front of did, if you ever did take the time to get up to level 99 you would roll everything whatever optional bosses were in the game whatever final bosses there were i mean you'd destroy everything but you look at a game like final fantasy 13 um or a game like Bravely Default here, and in Final Fantasy XIII, there's that Crystarium, and you can fill out the entire Crystarium. And by the end of the game, I think most people probably do. And that game is still challenging. And here now you've got Bravely Default, which is the same thing. You get your characters up to level 99. Your characters are level 99 for basically half of the game, and the game was still challenging. And I think that that's one of the challenges of role-playing game design specifically, is that you need to you need to make it so that so that people can try to level to make battles easier on them but you don't want to make it so that is like a a fail proof way to continue su- succeeding in the game you know what i mean yeah and it seems absolutely. like they've done that now it seems like they've done that with these with like their most recent role playing games that makes sense to me uh, I would agree with that. And you like challenge, right? Which I mean, is a it's a good. Thing. I love challenge. I absolutely love challenge. I mean, I'm the Dark Souls guy, you know. <laughs> the Dark Souls, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, you know, it it's repetitive. Essentially, replaying the same game four times after you've beaten it. Um, I understand wholeheartedly why people have a problem with it. I think that, you know, if you put a gun to somebody's head and you said you have to play this game five times, you know, you have to design a game where you play it five times in a row. Someone put a gun to your head and you had to design it. I don't think anybody could have done a better job than Square Enix did. I mean, because, again, they switched up the dialogue. They they, they kept me very interested in the story in Chapter 5 and 6. After 6, you really know what's up. You know what's going on. You know the twist. You know the villain. Uh uh-huh. Seven and eight are just kind of going through the motions, but again, they add a bunch of humor to seven and especially eight. Like they, they even give it kind of a, a much lighter feel in the last couple. And uh, you know, they they change the mood. They make it they they make it as interesting as they can. And once you've spent a lot of time with all these characters, like you're familiar with them, and you know, by the fifth time you're fighting them, you know, it's you're getting that twist, but you're still so it's it's uh. I, I did not hate this game. I it definitely got tedious at times. I you know it's a questionable game design decision to go the route they did. I it is not for everybody. But I think you like if you wanted to pick up the game, beat the next like chapters, you know, get to chapter five, do a few battles, and then maybe you get bored of it, put it down, pick it up in six months, play around with the job classes or something like that. You know, I think that if somebody's trying to plow through it in a weekend. Um, because again, you know, somebody that really took issue with this game was Jamie uh, Butterworth, and he has admitted he consumes games very quickly. You know, he'll he'll grab a game, pound it over the weekend, and then he's on to the sure. next. You know, he's he's into that. He's into like, oh, I'll grab this in the bargain bin on Saturday. What's this? Oh, this looks cool. You know, boom, fourteen hours you know, a week or whatever later, and then like on to the next. And that's a different way of consuming games. I'm the kind of guy that'll play a game for six to eight months, clearly, uh, before I actually beat it or review it. Um, 
there's just different ways of consuming games, and I think Bravely Default is is not one for the kind of person that 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 wants to get through games quickly or really binge it. Because if I, you know, I played this on the train a half hour in the morning, half hour at night. If I had just sat and played this for six hours a day, I would have hated this game after three days. Yeah, oh, for I mean, sure. You, you've got to play it in moderation. you be doing literally the same thing over and over again. Absolutely, absolutely. So it you just got to do it in moderation. Um, and I think that for that um, style of gamer, I think it's I think it's actually a really good game. I mean, again, if you just want to play the first... And here's the other thing. You can end the game at any point. When you awaken after chapter four, when you awaken a crystal, you have to tap the X button to awaken it, and it comes back to life. And Aerie says, stop, stop, don't go anymore. And then you stop, and the crystal shines for a few seconds. If you keep mashing X, you break a crystal, and it fast-forwards you to the final chapter. So at any point you can beat the game. You're just not going to get the best ending. So you know if you really wanted to beat it, uh, you know if if, if you sure. are the kind of guy that just wants to plow through it in in a weekend or in a week or whatever, you could do it. Just plow through the first four chapters. You will love it. It's it's fun. It's re- it's not repetitive. It's you can customize the the you know the gameplay is phenomenally balanced. Um, you'll have a blast. And then get to chapter five, maybe fight a couple optional battles for a challenge, and then just break a crystal, and then you can beat the game, and it's all good. And uh, you know, yep. And then be like, nope, I'm done. Yeah, I'm and good. you know, like, nope, I'm done. So there's that option in there. Um, you know, maybe um, some people that like playing games more quickly, you know, are, are not really fond of the fact that they're not getting the best ending, and I can understand that too. But, but I think overall, for what it is, like, there's not a lot wrong with this game universally. Sure. Like I don't. I don't think there's anything that every gamer is going to say this is terrible. Again, kind of questionable with the repeating worlds, but you know, the the music is amazing. Go listen to the live orchestra on YouTube if you haven't. Uh, playing the music, the voice acting is pretty good. It grew on me a lot. I don't always like American voice actors, and uh, the writing is pretty good. You know, it is a little generic the first four chapters, but the the characters get a lot of personality after that, and. Uh, and the villains are very the villains are very they reminded me of Final Fantasy 4 they're very like character driven you know Final Fantasy 4 you had like Rubicant and he was like honorable and he fought Edge and all this stuff you know every villain in this game every asterisk bear is like that they've got a name they've got a class they've got an attitude they've got a distinct voice so um I I think this is an an exceptional game I really do the, the street pass mm-hmm. features are integrated very well, very closely. The online features are integrated really well. It's it is a phenomenal game. I can see why people have you know issues with it, but it's a it's it's a great game. And I'm going to eventually beat the end boss. Hopefully this week. We'll see. I bet you do it tomorrow. Possibly. I, I'm honestly I'm so like burned out on it after like fighting that optional boss my god i'm just like i'm just like how many builds do i have to try before like i just want to speed past somebody that does a million damage so i can just like roll but of course here's the other thing like i'm i haven't uh used my summons to uh to take out the first form or the second form because god knows how many forms there will be you know square enix there's probably like six forms Mm -hmm. or something so, you know, I, I roll the first or second or third form, and then suddenly there's another one, and then what the hell am I going to do, you know? I'm screwed. Of course. So, uh, we'll see. But I feel like that was 
a very comprehensive review of the game. I, I don't usually feel like I do a great job explaining games and really digging in, but I think I think I nailed this one. What do you think? I think you did. It sounds like you. It sounds like you really enjoyed it. Um, you know, I'm glad you talked about it. You, I'll be honest, you, with just the sheer number of games that are out there now, you did a good job of explaining to me why I do not want to continue to play this game. I figured that would be your. Just there's away. so many games to play, you know, and like that's that's so many times of running through the exact same thing. That's true. But again, you pick up the four-job fiesta once a year. Maybe you play a chapter once a year. Play chapter five. Play chapter five in November. Play chapter six the next November. Chapter seven the next November. And then that's like Final Fantasy V, four-job fiesta. It's just a little different because you're going to have to recustomize and all that stuff too. To, you know. Sure, I'll keep that in mind. That sounds, that sounds very reasonable. Like a real enjoyable way to play that game. I mean, it kind of is. It's kind of valid. If your issue is with... Because if you're playing the four-job fiesta, you're doing the same thing. The four, if, if you miss a listener, four-job fiesta is a, a Final Fantasy V playthrough where you're given a random job class to be assigned. So you're playing the same game. If you do the four-job fiesta this year, you get your four random job classes. If you do it next year, you're going to get four different random job classes and play through the same game. So it's essentially the same thing, right? That That game takes about... 15 hours to play through. Yeah, and this is 8 hours a chapter. So it's half as long. <laughs> oh, perfect. Yep, you're right. I'm it doesn't saying, sound the same to me. I'm just saying you could tack it on. So, you know, whatever. I hope the ending doesn't suck. And again, the story got really cool. And there's so many other features that I didn't even get into, like Nemesis, a Nemesis that gets sent to your 3DS and uh, you know, the, there's a robust blue mage system. If you are a completionist, sure. my god. When you street pass people, sometimes they send you monsters. Square Enix will send you monsters, too, that are optional. You can fight them at any time. Uh, just tap the lower screen in the village, and you'll fight them. Right. They all have blue magic spells, like Blizzaja or Fairaja, you know, like the level 4 magic spells. But you've got to survive them and then beat them. So there are... There, I didn't... I didn't realize that those were blue mage only. Uh, well, not blue mage. It's the van- uh, well. I don't want to spoil the job class, but there's a job class that essentially has blue mage build. Right, because you haven't spoiled the whole rest of the game yet. Well, I spoiled the things that are essential to talk about the quality of the game. There's no reason to get into the minutia for those who have watched this and now want to play it. Um, you know, there's no reason to be like, oh yeah, and by the way, spoiler alert: this character's a bad guy the whole time. You know, or anything like that. Like that's like. Who cares? You know, that doesn't, that's not relevant to the quality of the game, I don't think. So uh, there is essentially a blue mage class. but So there's half a dozen bosses, optional bosses, that are also level 99 that I haven't even touched and will not touch because I'm done with this freaking game. But right. if you are obsessed with this game and you just want to really go to town, I mean, this, there, are, there is over 100 hours of content in this game easily, easily. Yeah, you just have to like the it's game, love, which it's easy yeah, to do. Love the game, and it is easy to do. So that's uh, that's my incredibly comprehensive review of Bravely Default. And it's very late at night, so we should probably go to bed. That's a good you, idea. You look really, you look really proud of yourself. Like you look like you, you've accomplished something right now. I like I said, I I, I honestly I rarely talk about a game 
and don't think immediately afterwards like oh, I missed something I missed blah 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 I I think I nailed everything like mm-hmm. everything it's kind of weird I'm not used to being good at this it wasn't that good I mean it wasn't that good but for me well I mean you're it's it's more like that you're not that good oh, it's not that it wasn't that good not, it's just me, not yeah. that it wasn't okay. that good it's just that yeah, you're that's not that good that's fair that's very fair yeah so yeah, go pick up uh, Bravely Defaults, uh, please. Um, we also one of our contributors, Chris Long, gave his first impressions of Bravely Default on UnqualifiedGamers.com. So just go to our website, search for Bravely Default, and you'll find uh, his his first impressions, as well as John talking in more detail about the combat system, and of course. Yeah, and recently some news came out. This game sold a million copies, which is really big for a 3DS game. I mean, you know, especially a new an IP intellectual. Yeah, it's a new IP. It's not, you know, Monster Hunter is going to sell 3 million, 4 million copies every time it comes out because it's Monster Hunter. But this is like a brand new thing and it sold a million copies and that I think has been considered very successful. So that's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, definitely. The 3D also works really well on the game too, by the way. Like really well. I'm glad they take advantage of it. Because sure. I played Pokemon Y, and Pokemon Y didn't do any 3D. And I'm like, what are you doing, Nintendo? Yeah, they didn't really lean into it. That's not what they were looking for, you know? Yeah, but I, that really upset me. I really wanted 3D. Yeah, I don't know. The battles, It. I actually think Pokemon X and Y did a good job because they kind of did it with a subtle, you know, they didn't They didn't overdo it at all. And that's true. I really like the way Bravely Default did it as well. So, well, good. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I hope you don't have to work in the morning because it's going to be a... No, not tomorrow. Yeah, well, I have to take care of my daddy son, daycare. So yeah, daddy daycare day. That's exciting. Uh, yeah, um, and I mentioned unqualifiedgamers.com, and there was oh, there was one other thing. I wanted to give a shout out. Oh gosh, I forgot to pull it up right before this. Um, we have a listener who. So uh, a couple weeks ago, when I was between my last job and this job that I just started. A couple weeks ago, I spent some time on our website um, uploading a lot of our older episodes, and there is a listener who um, has been listening to some of our classic episodes and actually emailing me and helping me, uh, like, kind of pointing out when I didn't censor the swears, because we didn't used to be, like, right. kind of a TV PG-13, whatever, uh, audio podcast. Now, we don't we don't censor on YouTube, of course. We're, we're uncut on YouTube. But um, the Digitally Remastered podcast is higher audio quality. Um, I, I cut out all cursing. It's usually abbreviated just a bit. I cut out, like, the intro and outro a bit. And um, so it's just a little bit different. And some of the dead yeah, air. Yeah, some of the dead air. Uh, it, it, it sounds much better. I would really recommend it, honestly, because I know you're not looking at us for an hour, so... Go check that out, unqualifiedgamers.com or iTunes. Um, but, uh, yeah, our listener, Ryan, I just want to say thank you. He has been emailing us, uh, emailing me timestamps of when there are swears that I didn't edit in our older episodes. Um, so, Ryan, thank you so much. You are awesome. Uh, if we had anything to give away, I would totally give it to you. Uh, you're just, like, super cool. And, uh, you know, a lot of times we'll get emails from just random people we've never met before in person, and that's always, like, super awesome because – we just like I don't know we have fun doing it and we we hope you do too and when we hear that people are having fun it's like really exciting for me and John like really it is always awesome like really exciting so um so thank you specifically Ryan like so much for doing that that's awesome shout out to you and uh and everybody else listening like you know thanks for sticking with us we're at 83 episodes and we're we're gonna and counting being nerds and talking about video games and winter is coming so we'll even be we'll even be on time and home sometimes and hopefully playing more video games once the winter yeah, starts. Yeah, seriously. 
Me too, even. This took me eight months. Eight months to get to this review. You realize that? I know, and you're playing and you're playing on the bus like every day. Yeah, every day. Oh, God, I've been playing this game for so long. So, anyway, you know, that's all I got to say about that. Listener, as usual, thank you so much for joining us here on this episode of Unqualified Gamers. And listener, as usual, I'm just going to step on John's outro and say something asinine anyway. Okay. Poop. It was a really good one. That's a good outro. Thank you. Thank you.